0: Hi everyone and welcome to Viva La Flora live podcast where we bring you the art and business of flowers. Stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome back. So today's guests are Sarah and Tom from Grateful Gardeners. Grateful Gardeners is a local farm. It's a local organic cut flower farm based right here in Maryland. Yep, I am privileged to say that I have visited visited this farm and I absolutely loved it. Literally drive less than an hour and get into this gorgeous, amazing local cut, fresh cut flowers. I mean, you can't beat that. What makes this farm unique and takes Tom and Sarah to basically stand out in a local farming right now. I honestly can say the love and sweat and tears that goes into doing the farming, but that's every farmer. The thing that sets them apart, I think, is their mission, right? Their mission statement that I can tell you, honestly, they wholeheartedly stand behind. And that is local sustainable and collaborative well stick around listen in and also there is an exciting project that tom and sarah are working on and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be sharing all of this information in the show notes we'll talk about it during our podcast so listen in but if you're a local florist in uh, metro washington dc area you may want to listen in even closer all right our further ado, here's Tom and Sarah from Grateful Gardeners. All right. Hi, guys. Hey. Hello. Thank you for being here. I know you've got, you know, a garden to attend, flowers to cut, and orders to fill, and all this stuff. But, you know, here you are.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having us. We
0: appreciate it. Definitely. Thank you. I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited. You're actually my very first um, flower farm I'm interviewing, so I'm super pumped and excited about this.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's even more of an honor than yeah. I
0: had no idea. <laughs> I visited your farm and I loved it. Oh, thank you. I also realized that I cannot do that job.
2: Mm. <laughs> 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 yeah,
0: right. We ask ourselves that too. Yeah. So my first question is: How on earth did you all decide to do farm? What was it like? Hey, honey, I just want to grow some flowers, and sure, let's do. I mean, what? How did this happen? Because it's such a such a labor of love. I mean, you got, you, it's, yeah, it's a lot of work.
3: Yeah. I don't think we really realized that when we first started. I mean, you know, we knew it would be work, but I don't think we really knew how much work. Um, right. And, um, it really does call upon almost every skill set that you have, if you've worked in any other job and then it piles on, you know physical labor and mm-hmm. you know having to deal with mother nature and a lot of people in most work settings don't have don't have that they have multiple skill sets they have to utilize but they don't necessarily have to then contend with a perishable product which is grown outside which is subject to um you know constant pressure from pests and all kinds of other things right so um yeah I mean, it's kind of a, a long story we We try to always pare it down. I'll let Tom maybe tell you sort of the origin story because we don't we did, we do not come to flowers from we're not from um horticultural families per se, and we do not have any formal education in horticulture or flower growing mm-hmm. uh, so it's kind of an, an unusual story of how we got
1: here but um yeah, know. so you know this was i think two thousand eighteen. February of 2018, we were visiting my parents in, in Loveland, Colorado. That's where I'm from. And um, my mom has been, and, you know, so this, there is a little bit of history and background for me in terms of, of growing things, although I was not really a part of it. My mom was really the one who was doing it. We used to live in uh, Oregon, uh, in a little town called Canby, Oregon. That just happens to be the home of Swan Island dahlias, which is one of the major dahlia tuber distributors sellers uh, in the U.S. Um, and so she got hooked on dahlias by being in close proximity to them. And she started growing them for, um, you know, the last 25, 30 years she's been growing them. So one of her dreams though, to, was to retire and to start her own flower farm. Mm -hmm. She's at, at, she's like 66. So she's at retirement age and she's, she's starting her own adventure. So Rocky Mountain Blooms, that's the plug right there for, for my mom's, you go to her Instagram. She could use the followers. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, Yeah. So my mom is, um, my mom is, is doing her own thing. Well, she took to try and prepare to start this farm. She took the floret course by Aaron Mm Benzikane and, you know, paid the, you know, $2,000 or whatever it was. Um, but it was a real, it's an amazing course. It's very, uh, thorough. It's very in depth. It gives you a lot of the tools you need. So she was just really getting into it. We were visiting and she showed us this, this tutorial. She showed us some of these, um, uh videos and stuff and she's like you guys gotta look at this it's so cool so we saw it and we were like wow that is that's really amazing it looks really cool and obviously it'd be fun we love nature we love being outdoors to both of us so we're like oh it would be really cool to share a project like this to to try gardening uh you know initially it was just gardening really i don't think we had any illusions about like we're gonna be flower farmers we're just let's just try and do a flower garden and um and so we kind of started in on that process and it's not hard. The barrier is pretty low, right? Like you just need some seeds and some soil and, you know, some trays and some lights. And and if you got to dirt outside, you can go. So anyway, we started in 2018 after that, just said, okay, Hey, this will be a cool thing for us to do together and uh, started doing it and really loved initially doing it. The growing part of it, the being outside together, the, that's just sort of, you know, harmonizing with nature kind of thing. Um, It all kind of clicked with us and pretty much fell in love with it from that moment on and sold about $3,000 worth of flowers in 2018, which we thought was fantastic. I mean, you know, if you just to be able to make any money off of a hobby like that is pretty amazing. And we're like, "Hmm, maybe it's it's worth it to try and see (laughs) if we can do more of this. Yeah. And so 2019 was a huge year. We bumped it up considerably. I think we grew by about eight times in our revenue.
2: Wow,
1: you know, it was like okay. Now it's pretty serious. Now we might actually be able to do this as a profession. Although, you know, there's a lot of illusions there that, that need to be, uh, <laughs> real. Like, you know, what is real and what's not in terms of what is possible. Um, but anyway, that's kind of brings us up to it. And of course, then 2020 happened, and COVID happened, and just you know, everything's everything mm. got up in the and now we're just figuring it out. Although we're having we're having a better year than I think we thought we would have. So, uh-huh. you know, things are going really well.
0: Uh-huh. All things considered. Yeah. Yeah. So Sarah, what was your background?
3: Um, so I grew up in Ohio. Um, didn't have any real I always loved the outdoors, but I was you know, have never been outdoorsy per se. I um always planted flowers, but you know, like everybody else, you go to the nursery and you get things in the spring and you plant flowers around your house.
2: Nothing nothing
3: extravagant. I actually always felt like I would love to do it, but it always felt really intimidating to me. Like to know like mm-hmm. people like I had a friend who had a husband who was a gardener and their house, their their backyard looked like a sanctuary. I remember visiting one time and thinking, How in the world do you do all this? I mean and he was like, Oh, you know, you just you figure out when things are blooming and you and he was had everything staged so that, you know, when once something came up, something died and something else came up, you know, it was all like this dance you know, Mm -hmm. harmoniously of all this different timing. And I remember at the time thinking, I don't know if I could handle all that. That seems like a lot to have to to figure out. And it it, it turns out it is, (laughs) but that's what you have to do. So anyway, um, um, I'm actually a a lawyer, Um, sometimes sometimes not proud to admit it, but uh, (laughs) kind of came to that um, a little bit not on a straight path, you know, I kind of weaved my way through a few different career iterations before I decided to go to law school and start practicing law. So I've been practicing law for about 23 years in Montgomery County, um, mostly doing litigation.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, uh, I continue to work full time right now. Um, we decided, Tom was working in sales, scientific sales. He's got a, a background and with a PhD in science. Um, And both of us, you know, we, we came upon this by not either one of us necessarily having a a real inclination about this was something we wanted to do. It is, I would say in three years, we have gone from, wow, wouldn't this be a fun thing to do
2: to, we
3: really love running a business together. We really want to make this a, a vocation that we could actually be Produce enough money to allow for us to do this full time. Mm-hmm. So, but we're also not stupid, you know. And it was very clear that we were going to have to, you know, sort of lean into this as a possibility that, you know, we have three children. This is a second marriage for us. We have a house with a mortgage, dogs, all mm-hmm. kinds of responsibilities, which, you know, we need to meet those obligations and take care of those little people and little animals and all those things. So, um, but this year it was clear that, you know, after last year's success, we really felt like, you know, if we're going to step this up, we really need to have one person in the relationship, be able to, to really turn toward this business in a full-time way. There's no way that both of us are going to be able to work full-time and raise three children and handle all this and try to really get where we need to be.
2: Mm
3: Tom was pretty unhappy in his sales position. Um, That's an understatement. <laughs> and um, he we, we sort of sat down last year, sometime around this time of last year, actually. We were talking, and he was just miserable. And I said, "This is this doesn't make any sense. Um, we need to make some bold steps here. Let's 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 sit down and like literally crunch numbers and figure out if this is even a possibility that one, that you could quit your job and just do the farming." Um, mm-hmm. And that's what we decided to do. So Tom resigned from his position in January of this year, Pre, right? Pre-COVID. Right before COVID. <laughs> Pre-COVID. <laughs> and, yeah. So it was great was timing. It was great. Was but you know what's funny? Had he not done it then, had he waited, we might not have made that choice, right? Because it may That's we good. may have made more of a fear-based fear yeah, decision. Yeah, we've been too afraid. Been too
1: afraid. To um.
3: Be. So by the time COVID really hit, it was probably we were already we'd already sort of made this decision i was like well this is going to be interesting Uh, we'll see what happens um Mm -hmm. you know i don't have to tell you i think everybody who's in this industry is felt the brutal uh crunch of covid Mm -hmm. and what that what what that's meant for business um right and we are no different in that we first got the news and i remember you know you're planning for a a flower farm well in advance of i mean i've already got all of my my seeds, my corms, all everything's already in in pl- the planning. Yeah, yeah. twelve months ago for next year. So we had already made a substantial investment in product and supplies. Additionally, we had already uh, put a lot of time in about a farm plan when we were mm-hmm. going to be doing. That. I was actually growing seeds in our in our seed room in our house um, when COVID happened, and I remember we looked at each other and I thought, "My God, what are we going to do?" I mean. If no one, if everything gets canceled, you know, no grocery stores are gonna. Nobody can go anywhere. How is anyone gonna buy flowers? I mean, they're mm-hmm. terrified they're losing their jobs. This is gonna be extraneous income for most people, right? Right. And it's uh, it's weird, but it's almost like the exact opposite has happened. Right. It's
2: yeah. Same year.
3: Yeah, that has been like the biggest surprise from all of this, and like the silver lining in COVID for us because
2: mm-hmm.
3: we had sat down and, and said, okay, w- what if we don't make the revenue that we think we're going to be able to make or that we could make this year? It doesn't it's looking like that's going to be really hard to do. Um, what else could we be doing that would substantially move this business forward, uh, even if the
1: revenue is going to be you know, diminished?
3: Right, right. So, and
1: I'll let Tom tell you that I'm just talking to him. Maybe out of heat wants to ask us
0: another question. <laughs> 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 no, I, I'm enjoying. Hey, listen, you know, we're here to have a conversation, right? And that's what's happening. No, I, I, it's very fascinating and it's interesting. I, I can totally relate to, you know, having a full time job and trying to do things part time. And then, The whole silver lining in COVID, you know, my decisions that I've made for my business were during COVID, you know, and if COVID didn't happen necessarily, I would have been doing what I was doing before because I I actually made some serious pivots in my own business. Um, I mean, I'm running a dental practice full-time and dental assisting school, you know, so I've got a bunch of people that rely on me to be there all the time, be on all the time and so on. So... So, yeah, but I just made some conscious choices that I, you know, decided that I'm going to cut a day back and things like that and focus on the business side of things. And I needed the pause. I personally needed the pause. And the funny thing is I'm busier than ever. It's just bizarre. And I'm not saying dental wise. I mean, the dental side is crazy busy. Where do entertainment in town? I think I don't know. It's just like people stay home. (laughs) Like, seriously, we're so busy. I was not expecting that. Um, but that's a side point. Flower wise, too, you know, it's just so many events that I feel like got canceled and delayed and bottlenecked. And as soon as they have the opportunity to do anything, I feel like they just started scheduling things. Yes, they went from 300 people to, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 people things. But, Became a little more meaningful, I want to say, actually. So I'm kind of enjoying this new, smaller, more intimate side of things. Really am. Because now it's not about, let's go and show off. It's about like, hey, why are we here? So, yeah. It's just,
3: it, it kind of, yeah. Just There's something really... Um, I remembered when this first happened and, and saying to Tom, you know, if we... If this only lasts for four to six weeks, which is what everyone thought initially, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be long enough for there to be substantial change in the way we, we are. Right. You know, in, in all kinds of categories, you know, in our relationships, in our families, in our business decisions, in our educational decisions, all of it, it will mm-hmm. be impacted. But it's only really going to substantially change our day to day lives if we feel the pain long enough to 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 be willing to change mm-hmm. and and i think you know i don't i think it's been tragic and there's like i the, the amount of people that are dying and it's it has pulled back the curtain for a lot of us and seeing mm-hmm. all of the sort of things that weren't working or we've just been sort of doing things in autopilot for so long nobody questioned whether or not it even made sense anymore mm-hmm. and having that slowdown, that sort of Forced slowdown, I think, has given everyone a minute to go, huh, there might be a different way of doing business. Yeah, that's that's there true. might be a different way to actually have relationships, there might be a different way to approach the, our environmental impact. There might be all kinds of new ways of doing things that I actually think, um, I hope things don't
0: go back to the way they were. Same, so that's really where I'm at same. Um, I mean, there are a few things that I can do without, you know, um, <laughs> for sure uh, that came out of COVID, but, um, I mean, I'm, I'm in healthcare, so I, you know, I understand the healthcare side, you know, to the T and when, you know, I'm about to go on a tangent here, but you know, when people complain about wearing a mask for, you know, 20 minutes at a grocery store, it just kills me. It's like, seriously, I'm gowned up, double up, double mask, I don't know shields sweating like crazy to treat a patient and you're complaining. Cause you have to wear a mask for, I don't know, just a little bit like really. So it's a whole other side of things, but yeah, but I think, but I think I, I agree with you. I think everybody almost, I hope everybody had sort of this weird reality check in a weird kind of way. I, I, I didn't know I needed it. It, you know, it's it's, okay. So I keep saying this and it's just kind of funny now, but before COVID happened, I'm like, okay, so like, you know, the time is the problem. I don't just don't have enough time to do this. I don't have enough time to do that or whatever. Time was always the at fault, right? Or the thing that I never have enough of. Well, guess what? Time wasn't the problem. Reprioritizing things was the problem. And once it took me a couple of weeks, you know, the first two weeks were tough right? I mean, I had to make decisions that affected on 14 people, you know, like it was kind of like decision overload and like, oh my God, when is this going to end? You know, once we got that under control then I had time to actually sit back and reflect on everything else that was going on. And like you said, relationship, family, business, all of these things, and some really good things came out of it. And what I realized again, time, I have less time than I've ever had and I'm more productive and efficient than I've ever been. And it's just kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's just
3: it's it's just been this kind of odd, um forced, you know, reevaluation.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: um and I we're here for it. I mean, honestly, this year has been so I mean, a lot of people just sort of complain about, you know, just they want it to be over and you know, I'm I'm in meanwhile, I still work full time, right? So I've been mm-hmm. working I've been working remotely since March. And it's challenging. It definitely the same for, with with you. I think I felt in the first like two to three weeks, I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? You know, mm-hmm. like I'm on a conference call all day long. I can't get anything done. The kids are here. The dogs are here. I mean, like it just all felt very discombobulating. And then, but now I, I in fact, I, I I speak for myself, but I think I've heard every single coworker of mine all say the same thing, which is, we're never want to go back to the office.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: We enjoy being working from home. We can actually, we don't sit in, in on the highway for two hours in traffic and we're in better quality time with our families. We're our schedules are more flexible. We don't have to get dressed up every day to go to work. You know, it just, you know, organizations are sort of course, Probably going to make those decisions because it's saving them money.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right.
3: money and, and, but but it, it, at the end, it's sort of like well, no matter how it it is, they come to this decision right. Right, to allow for people to have this kind of continued flexibility and remote working. I don't really care if it's a financial decision ultimately because the quality of life decision I'm getting the benefit of, even if it's mm-hmm. just for them, it's just to save money. It doesn't really matter. Um, That's true. But honestly, it is we decided this year as I, you know, sort of looping back to what I originally said was that if we if revenue wasn't going to become the benchmark of success, what would be? Mm. And for us, it was developing new relationships with uh, floral designers, which was clearly going to be a niche that we really wanted to service with our flowers. That was, mm. and mostly because I think both Tom and I feel strongly about, really enjoying the artistic part of floral design that these are artists and they are literally painting with flowers and to be able to grow something uh from a seed and then ultimately watch it in its last stages of life in this incredible beautiful um work of art i i can't think of a more gratifying thing to to be able to do it's for us. It was it, for me, at least. I can't speak for Tom.
2: And you'll get a chance to talk in a second, honey. Uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> for for me, I I I I just to just to move product for the purpose of making money without there being something else more soul fulfilling about it was just not going to be enough. Mm-hmm. I've come to this journey purely as a means to make money. It was really a soul fulfilling journey from the very beginning. Mm-hmm and building relationships and having a, an ethical and a business of integrity, um, one that focuses on environmental um, practices to support the, the health of our our planet. Um, all those things were our core values, but relationship building has now become another one. And one of our tagline, our tagline is um, the local sustainable collaborative. And the collaboration piece is the piece I feel like we've really spent a lot of time Fostering this year in light of COVID. And honestly, it's going to be, it's been the the biggest change and such a huge,
2: huge blessing.
0: Mm -hmm. I, for one, am very happy and thankful that I got to get to know you and, you know, am going to have that, have and will have that relationship with you guys and visited the farm. So I feel like you pretty much from what I've seen, have been doing pretty much every single word in your tagline. I have personally seen that. So I can definitely say that, you know, with, with confidence. Um, speaking of environmentally, you know, friendly and sustainable and so on, one of the things that stood out for me that how important that was for you guys when I visited the farm, you know, um, which then creates another set of challenges for you. Because you're trying to maintain more of an organic farm. I mean, that in itself is a challenge. So talk to us about that a little bit. Because, I mean, that was that was very fascinating for me and pretty impressive, I have to say.
1: Yeah. This is Tom's area, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think that we had intended on being organic initially. I think we thought, you know, we probably wanted to be as environmentally friendly as we can. but but it's a big difference between being like certified organic and just you know trying to do the right things. Um, and we aren't certified yet. Um, it, it's it's a, there's a real debate about whether or not being certified organic is useful or not. It's a very arduous process. It's it's expensive. It takes time. Um, so we haven't really decided whether or not we're going to go that whole USDA certified organic mm. route. Flowers are lagging behind food by about maybe a decade. Mm. Because you don't ingest flowers, (laughs) or I mean, you can ingest flowers, Uh, not people don't generally do that though. Um, They don't think of it, they don't prioritize the same kinds of safety and and health concerns they do with food. Mm -hmm. Now, there is plenty of evidence out there though that is just not really bubbled to the surface yet about how, especially for designers who have been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years, have chronic health issues related Mm -hmm. to wholesale flowers for i mean daily for those for those that many years um we have some good some good friends who are designers and they're like they have issues they have skin issues they have Mm -hmm. health issues it definitely is a problem and um and so we we just said to ourselves okay first of all we have to limit the carbon imprint Mm -hmm. print of 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 the flower industry it's ridiculous that you buy some flowers from You know, South America, and they have to fly them, you know, 4,000 miles or however far it is to get to, you know, Miami and then truck them all over the place. I mean, that is a lot of carbon for one bouquet of flowers. Um, And so, you know, we said, okay, that's the local part, right? And we're all trying, I think there's a lot of designers, a lot of flower farmers that are really trying to encourage that. Mm -hmm. Sustainable part, though, is all the rest it's the organic practices, it's, you know, trying to, you know conserve soil conserve water you know i mean forget just the, the practices of growing you know there's a lot of things we can do to actually be more beneficial to the earth and sort of be in more harmony and mm-hmm. like you know as we take something to give back you know just having that balance and equilibrium so um so that's kind of the ethos um and then then comes the, the nuts and bolts of it which is the reason organic food costs two to three times more than regular food is because (laughs) there is that much more time labor energy that goes into,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, to growing that food and and in this case, growing those flowers and we, it hasn't hasn't translated to an increase in the price per stem, at least not for us. We're essentially selling the same as, as any other flower farmer Mm -hmm. uh, is. Um, But, You know, hopefully, you get to that point where you can sort of transfer some of that cost over to the price and say, "Look, if you want to buy something that is, you know, has been grown the right way, and you want to support that, then you're willing to pay a little bit more."
2: Right.
1: It really does translate into just more time and labor for us, you know, especially when it comes to pest management, because you just can't use anything that's like a super sledgehammer, you know, pesticide. You you use stuff that works okay and you got to be diligent frequent when it comes to those you can still spray with things but they're they're just you know essentially soaps and oils Mm -hmm. Um, you know they can't be any of these harsh chemicals (laughs) so it it it, it is it's and then you saw when you were out here one of the main things that we have to do especially for our dahlia crop which right now you know is like our prize thing like we're making all of our money off our dahlias we have to put those organza bags over the Oh room, my
0: goodness, right? Yeah,
1: the, the physical, we have to, you know, uh, you know, fine, you spray, whatever, but but that doesn't kill everything. And then if mm. like, quote, we have certain pests that live to munch on the petals mm-hmm. of our blooms, which is like, oh, don't do that. Like, <laughs> the foliage if you want, but like, leave the bloom alone because you can eat the bloom we can't sell the damn thing. So <laughs> it's really frustrating. So, so the one way to try and, prevent that is to literally put a physical barrier around the bloom itself with these like organza bags and it but it's such a pain oh god it adds so much labor yeah. to, to put on and then you're harvesting you got to take off and the little strings get caught on the blooms and you're ripping buds off and,
3: oh. oh yeah it's it's a,
1: nightmare.
3: it's a nightmare but it's sort of like you know this year i, I actually have to say you know, and Tom can talk a little bit more about this because th- this year has, has definitely been a ramp up year for the environmental aspects of business, for without a doubt. So, mm-hmm. from aquaponics to soil science and health, to no-till practices, um, all of those things have been incorporated into our into our farming practices. And there is not, without a doubt, our blooms this year are stronger, mm-hmm. healthier. We still get pest pressure, but it's not nearly as, as devastating as it has been in the last two years before this. Um,
1: and- well, and what's interesting is when you do the right things from the ground up, mm-hmm. you build a healthy ecosystem in your garden, okay? And the, the, the beauty of that, and we have the photos to prove this, <laughs> is you attract, you attract in these healthy insect predators assassin bugs, praying mantis, spider.
2: Love- mm. the
1: These are the ones that we love. When we see them. We're like, Oh yes. Can, can, we, we, bring, can we
3: bring you a drink?
1: Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. can we,
3: can, you can have a party here with invite all your
1: friends. Yeah. Oh, That's so funny. <laughs> exactly. So when we see that and that we, we take pictures of them all the time. We've they're got, everywhere. They're, they're all over. And, and this year we've seen just an explosion in uh-huh. the diversity of insects that we've seen on the property. But also a lot of those those predator bugs that are keeping those those uh, pests that we don't like down.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so it, it, when you see that, I mean, it, that's the kind of feeling that you get as an organic farmer, where you're just like, okay, I'm doing I'm doing something right here. something's, something's right. Something's clicking.
3: Like the like like Mother Nature already knows, has figured out how to do it, and humans have right. just interfered right. all these years. And when you start like kind of getting out of the way and, cert- and, and, and facilitate and, yeah and, you're and, like there
1: this is what i know is right
3: yeah it's it's amazing how they're just i mean when we first started reading about this we were both looking at each other and trust me last year there were moments when i was like spider mite decimated our, our our dahlia crop and i was like oh my god I, I look can we just go buy roundup or i don't know what we were going to buy but you know and, and tom we we just it was like it would be it would have been a very short-term solution. And would have had huge long-term consequences because once you start spraying that stuff even one time, you're no longer on organic on a road to mm-hmm. organic. There, it would take seven years to allow your soil to recover from really? one application of a pesticide like that. Yes, and you know, mm-hmm. I was like, we're not will- I'm not. We just weren't willing to do that. It was mm-hmm. like that's not. It's just not something we're willing to do, and we're just going to we're going to keep at this. We we just are patient. And and some of the books that we read said it takes four to five years before your soil is amended to the point where it is so healthy that you are essentially creating a perfect environment for the plant to have the strongest immune system it could possibly have. Because your soil is so nutritious, just like a human, you feed it good food and it's gonna Mm -hmm. be able to ward off all of these invaders, viruses, bacteria, all the stuff. Plants are living things just like people different but similar in that they need nutrition from the ground instead of so you sort of think about it like going from the ground up as opposed to spraying from the top down Mm. right what traditional agriculture has done it's it has tilled up the soil it has destroyed the the ecosystem of the soil underneath it the plants are weaker they get invaded by pests and then instead of improving the soil they just spray and kill everything on top of it Right, and really, like you, literally have to turn it completely around on its head and do the exact opposite. And what ends up happening is the symbiosis starts occurring, where nature is 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 showing you and is demonstrating to us all the time. This is we will figure this out. Right, assist us, and we will help. We will figure out how to make it. You're going to lose some flowers, and we still do.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But I'll tell you. This year, it has been. We have grown some of the most beautiful flowers, mm-hmm. and um, they are long-lasting. We keep hearing from customers, and we ask people a lot. We check in with them. But like, how did it go? What mm-hmm. was the life like? You know, were you having any problems? Um, and I've, I have yet to hear anyone really say that they haven't had anything but an experience of even other local blooms. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I bought your dahlia, and it lasted. I mean, we sell to one designer and she actually got in touch with me. And she said, I have never, and I've been a designer for over 20 years. I've never had a dahlia. I had a dahlia that was in my cooler. She said, but I've used this dahlia multiple times. It was in arrangements. I was using it with a student. She said, it lasted nine days. My goodness. And she said, and on the ninth day, I was still doing an, an Instagram um, post about it because it still looked that good. Wow. Those are the kinds of things that just make us so happy because it's like, yeah. we're, at least something is going well here um and again it's it, it can be it can be bloom specific as you know not that's they right. will all behave the same right. um in particular a bit of a you know a diva plant but um mm-hmm. and not known for a long base life but if you buy them locally and you buy them um hopefully organically i think that designers are starting to reassess like how is how far is my money actually getting what is my money actually getting me
0: Mm -hmm. i mean i experienced that personally with your flowers i i can say this so you know not only your flower show i can for sure say um you know i don't know how many days they lasted but i was particularly impressed by the lisianthus that i that i got so there were still kind of Close, they weren't quite open, and you know, I arranged this. And I'm like, okay, I gotta photograph this, but this Louisiana. this is kind of close, so you know, I handled my Lisianthus to open a little bit just so that they can photograph, right? And I'm like, oh, I killed this poor thing, okay, fine. But now I have this beautiful photo of this thing to last, you know, it lasted I don't know 10 days of something after the abuse. I kid you not, I literally just just kept like trying to open this thing may who opens lizzie in this by hand come on i mean really nobody mm-hmm. does. i apologize before i did it but <laughs> do what you do right this thing just continued opening and lasted i was shocked absolutely shocked and no bruises
2: yeah
0: i mean of course the color was such that it was you know it was an antique color it was oh so gorgeous kind of you know hit that a little bit obviously probably the white one would have been okay i'm out of here you know but yeah i was was absolutely surprised about it you know and yes they actually did last long yeah Yeah. and i uh, kind of abused them too and they were not in a cooler so you know yeah let are. you
3: know i mean like i say every bloom is a little bit different in terms of its you know requirements i mean Mm -hmm. which is one of the challenges of flower farming as opposed to maybe traditional farming in in monoculture, right? Where a farmer just grows one or two crops. So you are, you know, you have to figure out how to do that well, but you don't have to divide your attention amongst, you know, multiple different cultivars and Mm -hmm. all of that. Flowers are are tough in that way because you come up with a farm plan. And, you know, this past year we grew 83 different flowers. Mm -hmm. And that is a lot to manage, in terms of knowing exactly when, when to plant them, when they're going to bloom, how long, when to harvest them. How do you, I mean, we spent hours and hours and hours last winter just sitting down and creating charts and maps and how are we going to do all this? And this year will be no different. I mean, that's what we spend the off-season doing, um, is just planning up the next year. Um, but, all of it is paid off and in, in, in droves in terms of what we've seen both in the, the product that we're producing, which I think we're both really proud of um, the relationships that we have cultivated over this year, which we are extremely proud of and also really covet because we have made some wonderful friendships and connections. Um, and, you know, the, the economic component of this business is okay, but I think that we've set it up so that we can continue to expand that as as, as things improve, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, next year and beyond. And that's all feels really positive right. and, and really good. So um, I think the one thing that's been really interesting for me this year is that, I'm, of course, uh, mildly obsessed with floral designers and their work. So I'm I'm <laughs> always, I'm always trolling on Instagram and and, and Pinterest and I'm, I get obsessed over certain designs. Um, in fact, the design that you did with our Lysianthus with those butterflies on that thing was, it's on, it's on our page. Oh, I, I, it? Yes, it, it, I posted it on our page because I'm like, oh, that, that, it? that. it was so, oh my gosh, it was so funny. <laughs> well, thank but, you. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm the one in this room. I mean, Tom's an artist too, but I'm definitely, you know, the one that's on Instagram obsessing over, you know, mm-hmm. constantly. I've been really surprised that the, the, the designers that do shop local, maybe it's unique to them, but they also are fascinated by the growing part of it, which I always figured they probably, who cares? Like, do they really care? I just want it to be pretty in an arrangement. And, and yet I've been... Mm-hmm. I've been really surprised that that's not really true. Um, yeah. So we did something really exciting, actually. That I want Tom to tell you about this past Ooh. week. Uh, yeah, okay. And, and it, it will it, it helps to reinforce
1: what I just said. Yeah. So um, we, we, um, we we decided. Obviously, we're coming to the end of the season. Okay, so mm-hmm. what we wanted to be able to do, and we, we unfortunately because of COVID, we couldn't do this as big as like on a grand scale as we mm-hmm. probably wanted. We decided to invite some of our designers to the farm for what we called a flower play date, which, you know, it really was about kind of conveying some things to them, telling them some things, namely, thank you for supporting us mm-hmm. a lot of this time when we know they're struggling because the weddings have been canceled. They're just trying to cobble together whatever revenue they can, uh, for, for supporting us even through that. So um and you Know, I think the point that we were trying to make to them was that we are going to focus our business on you, on floral designers, and that relationship with you. And what we really want to be able to do is to provide you with unique flowers, things you can't buy at the wholesaler, things you have never been able to design with before that you've seen somewhere, and you're like, wow, I would really love to be able to use that in a design or to sort of work with it. And, um, you know, how can we? Make that happen for you, and then hopefully we can just find stuff that you don't even know about, present it to you like, hey, we're going to grow this, be ready uh, to use this um, and and really elevate your designs to like a whole other level, you know, just just expand the possibilities, which for an artist is, I know this, she knows this, just for an artist, that's like a dream, right? Like just to be, mm-hmm. ready, I can totally start to think in new ways, I can create new ways. So it's a really exciting thing. So we said, come here. We had them here. We had some food. We had some drinks, and we, we I did I did a PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, PowerPoints like my milieu no, you you know so I just that's what I do. Um, uh, so I, I I presented this you know thank you, and then I started talking about doing up in the next you know six months to a year. And one of the things that Sarah had come up with that is a really interesting idea, and we're going to implement it. We'll see how it goes. It's definitely a pilot project, but it's called. A poppy share, which is basically like the, like the poppy flowers. So, like you know, poppies come in just crazy diverse varieties, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we grew some last year, and Sarah just had found some really cool stuff.
3: I was like, "Ooh, I got
1: to grow those! I have to try
3: that!" So, I just literally threw them in a, in a raised bed, right
1: out here, threw and, them in a raised bed. And
3: I, I thought, well, we'll see what happens. I knew they needed some cold times, so they went in the ground like before the the last frost. I mean it. You know, they were a couple freezes even. And I thought, oh, well, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Well, sure enough, all those poppies grew. And I had, you know, I I had no intention of selling any of them. I was just Mm -hmm. like, I want to see what this is like. I want to see what it's like. I want to see what the base life is like. I know poppies are really sensitive. And you would have thought I had, you know, grown, you know, flowers of gold. When I started posting them on, on, they, I could not. I can't tell you every designer that I that we knew but then people I didn't know were like how do I get these what what do I where do I come how, what is the base life and I was just cutting them and experimenting with searing them you know and then and, and how do they do with the cooler how do they do out of the cooler like let's just see is it even a viable option for cuts um, that was really my only goal and it turns out I had some many designers who just said one in particular who said I've never held a poppy like this before like i i could popular. never i could never get something like this from a wholesaler they would mm-hmm. never carry it because it's, they it, it
1: it can't it doesn't because it's transport not,
3: <laughs> yeah it, it doesn't transport it probably it's it's just the petals would fall off i mean some poppy varieties as you probably know and most designers who are listening to this now it, you know you blow on them and the and the petals fall off right i mean, they're they're literally meant to just be enjoyed in some other way but my point was that i'm willing to grow things like that for designers if they will even if it only means they can use them in photo shoots or you know, styled designs or, or uh, you know tablescapes or something that's not intended to be in a bouquet and or an arrangement that is expected to have a base life right and i so i said you know it How about this? What if I put together, I'm willing to grow a whole bunch of interesting, bizarre, I like all the weird stuff, um, and I ask for you up front to pay me a certain amount of money, just like you would for a CSA, you know, like a food CSA. Mm -hmm. You you pay me up front, and when those poppies are ready, they only go to the people who put put money into the share.
0: Okay, so where do I send the check? (laughs) I'm not kidding.
1: You're you're on, You will be. You'll be. You'll be on, on list the list of, of, you know, of all I mean, of our designers, and we'll.
2: we'll I mean, I'm
3: probably, i so far. I've I've, I've sourced fifty three different poppy varieties, and I'm getting. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting That's seeds right. from places in Europe, and and uh, and yeah. ones even coming from New Zealand. So I'm, I'm I'm trying very hard to make sure that I'm growing novel things that are unique and, but that can be used for the artistry of floral design and not necessarily are only being grown for the commercial aspect. Right. of the market. Yeah. There's gotta be some other opportunities, especially for artists.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so that's really been something. So
1: yeah, we, and you know, I mean, we just have to cover the costs of that, right? Like, yeah. you know, we don't mm-hmm. intend on making a ton of money off of it. We really are just trying to cover the costs of actually right. doing, growing the flower, the labor and the whatever the, co- the cost of goods. Um, so, so there's that thing that we're doing, and that is, I'm, we're all really excited about that. Designers are excited. I'm dying. Um, this yeah, crazy. I know. I you you like
0: oh. any
1: of them? Like, hey, I'm- oh
0: my god, I already have five sketches in my head. Are you kidding me? Because I've right. seen the images of those poppies when I was yeah. there, when you were showing me, my friend. It's the unicorn of the flowers, is what you found. So, just saying.
1: You know. there, it is. Mm-hmm. there it is. We're looking for unicorns.
0: Yeah. Unicorn. So- I want to go all
1: the unicorns. Mythical beasts. You know? oh, so even Yes, but it's like, could you ever find it in the real world, you know? right? Um, yeah, so so there's that. And then um, another thing, we're doing some other stuff. We're doing some dried flowers, you know, which is kind mm-hmm. of thing. Or at least, it, it's not new. It's coming back. Trending. Turn, trending right. turn, you know, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that people like this, like we actually did um, a pop-up market at Sweetwood Village um, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like yeah. that. And people – we had some dried flowers to sell there, and people were like, how long do you think this will last? And I'm like, well, oh, definitely if you just don't fuss with it a bunch. And they were like, oh, great. You know, like they just like the idea that, like, they're going to buy something and it will stay around. Yeah, As mm-hmm. opposed to fresh flowers, they feel like I'd buy it it's dead in a the week. And they mm-hmm. don't So dried flowers, pressed flowers – we're going to try doing some, some Dahlia rooted cuttings tuber sales. We're going to, you know, which is more for, for growing purposes, but mm-hmm. you know, flower floral designers and florists like to grow flowers too. So, um, but one of the really big things we're really excited about, it. And this is like, I think sort of taking us to a whole other dimension when it comes to flower farming is we're going to breed dahlias. Oh, we're <laughs> going to try and make new varieties of dahlias. Okay. Uh,
0: Maybe, maybe the macchiato, you know, so we can like come out of the cafeole craze or something.
1: Well yeah, that's kinda of, kind of actually where we're thinking. Like it's like, okay, I mean, Cafe, amazing. She's well, amazing, yes, of course. And she and she actually the what we've been told um from so so there's someone else on Instagram that if, if your listeners have not followed, they should follow. Her name is Christine Albrecht, Santa Cruz Dahlias. Ooh. Santa Cruz Dahlias go to her Instagram and follow her. She is, she's a goddess. She's just, she knows she's she's like one of these people that's been breeding for a long time. She's just really insightful and really knowledgeable. Super sweet and passes on information. Free-flowing information, you know, really embraces embraces that whole idea of like, I I want, I I want to encourage other people to grow and Mm -hmm. breed. So check her out. But she just released a book called Dahlia Breeding for the farmer florist and the home gardener so basically it's like how to do- read dahlias but like a layman's term right, right. Like the book's like that thick it's not it's not a hard read so anyway we we bought this book of course and we're like okay we got to do this um of so, the scientist and tom was like
0: oh, new toy that <laughs> yeah,
1: was yeah i mean it is kind of like okay i'm really into this because they are They, i mean dahlias are so incredibly fascinating complex right like I mean, the diversity alone is, is something to behold that, that you can have just such crazy range of structure, form, color, amazing. So growing them, like breeding them and now ha- with the potential of like coming up with something that nobody's ever seen, nobody's ever created is like that, that is artistic expression right there for me Yes, yeah. from the from view of science and the plants. So, all right. So here was the twist and, and I'm, I'm. Hopefully, I'm not going to make too many other floral designers out there, including you, feel like you've got left out on this. We will include you in the future on this. I promise. What we what we told the floral designers was we had to come here, right? And we were uh-huh. telling them all about how we're doing this dahlia breeding thing. We actually let them walk out into the fields and pick two dahlias to cross. Okay. And then you know like say okay, you know, you like this dahlia, you like that dahlia? Let's see what kind of baby this these two dahlias will make.
2: That's so,
1: um, so we let them pick, and then we said if the cross produces a variety that is actually, like, we can, like, propagate it. Like, because the thing is, you might not get anything that's worthwhile, right? Like, you might get something that's beautiful, but it doesn't propagate well. It doesn't grow tubers well, or it's not a healthy plant, or just the stems off. You need all of these ideal characteristics to make sure that you can propagate it, and it will Mm -hmm. stay that, you know, you can continue it on. It's a lineage, right? If you do that, you can register it and you can name it, and we told them that if they're cross-produced that, they could name the Dahlia, which oh, they were just my like, what? They were like, oh my god, yes! They it was
2: it. it was the
3: most fun thing to see. It was literally like Tom did his presentation, and then we were like, okay, now you get to go, and they like like, we're giddy, like almost skipping into the flower fields, you know, like so excited to, to do this, and yeah. I, then these are the kinds of moments that just make us so happy, and also just feel like there is such a symbiotic relationship that can be fostered between mm-hmm. the grower and the, and the designer.
1: Um, if, if, if the effort is made, you know, that's the thing that I think the flower farmers have to do more. And it's the thing that we haven't seen as much from other farmers and that we're trying to like trendset maybe. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to toot our own horn here, but like, we just, we have to reach out. Right. We have to be able to go to the designers and say, we want to work with you. How can we work with you? What would be cool? What would be interesting? What would be fun? And of course, this, this was huge. It was huge for them to be able to be included like that, but also just to have the involvement process to, you know, do something completely. But
3: also, I think that just, just, you know, similarly, like for me, I've had opportunities to work with designers on on their projects, right? So I've gone and I've actually Mm -hmm. helped them, um, design, watch them design, take education to, to learn what, how they do what they do, um, and work on installations, go do all that. Um, I I'm so grateful for that because a one, it made me very clear that I did not want to be a wedding. Um, event designer. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, was hard part. That, that it was really cool, but it, there was no way I was gonna. My I wanted to go down that path. Um, but more importantly, it's just this appreciation occurs right when they're when you're able to really step over into someone else's world and
2: mm-hmm. sort of see,
3: you know, all of the beauty of it, of course. But you know we're real good in the flower industry of showing all pretty pictures, but what goes on behind the scenes is not always pretty. Mm -hmm. And and it's hard hustling work, um, both for the farmer, but also for the designer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to let them come and and see where these flowers grow, you know, like to actually get your hands on them, watch how we plant them, learn how, how, what they need. Um, you know, a relationship develops not just between two humans, but between these plants and these people who are using them. Mm-hmm. I just think there's something really beautiful about that. And I I think it has changed. Uh, we've been changed by, by getting in the world of a designer and understanding their world. They're, I think, equally being changed by having opportunities to get on this property and see what's going on here. Um, and we find that there are that they're, dep- I think, designers have been deprived of the opportunity to see where their their product mm-hmm. comes from. You walk into a wholesaler, and you have no idea sometimes what the, what the origin story of that flower was, mm-hmm. where it grew, who's had it ha- their hands on it, what did they spray on it, how long did it take to get where it's going. Um, it's been just seen as a commodity, um, and we want to expand that, um, and you know, you honor the the, the life of this plant by appreciating how hard and how much time and effort went into growing it.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, um, I think the designs are automatically when that relationship starts to really form, the designs actually become elevated and very different. Yeah. I can look at a design now, I have enough of a discernible eye to tell if someone is is sourcing things locally.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I can't I can immediately tell.
2: That's so fun. Um,
3: And it's just been such a cool thing to, to be a part of this industry. I have to tell you, having practiced law for 23 years, um, I have not, I've met more nice, kind, generous, good human beings in the floral industry, both farmers and designers, enthusiasts, whoever than I've met in all my years of practicing law, um, And it has just been such a beautiful thing to be a part of this that, my gosh, I hope someday we can make enough money to do it full time, because I would love to be able to do that. And um, unfortunately, you know, you have to be able to pay your bills. That's reality. But hopefully, I think that's the goal for us, is to figure out how to, we don't need to live an extravagant life. Um, We're not glam, you know, oriented kind of people. You can't really be to be a flower farmer. We'd like to take a vacation every now and then. We now. like our Starbucks. So. Yeah, that's true. We are <laughs> definitely <laughs> we our, feed Starbucks our Starbucks habits. habits. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a couple buckets of flowers, though. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, that would be an important thing we take. More to than a Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, but you know, little things for life in life mm-hmm. are are definitely you know we've come to appreciate those things much more. And uh, I think nature sort of helps that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we really are grateful, and we really are grateful to our nerve. I mean it's kind of cliche and it sounds sort of hokey, you know, but we really do have an enormous amount of gratitude um, to be sitting in the position that we're in, no matter how much work it is. And believe me, there are nights when we roll into bed and we are dead tired. Mm-hmm. Um, it is hard work, especially in the, the months of July and August when nobody's really buying much. Mm-hmm. Filled with flowers, and it is hot, and there are bugs, and it is like they're <laughs> other, and We're like, "What are we doing?" Um, wow!
0: But we're hooked. Yeah, I think I don't. I don't think you're gonna have another major career change. You know, I can't. I can't possibly see that. I think. I think this. I think you found your calling. Actually, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. So. I can see you guys talking about this. And for the listeners who can't see their faces, they light up every time they talk about this. I'm just saying, like, you're so passionate about it. And no, seriously, though, you know, it, it's like you said earlier, it's one thing to do it just from a business side of things that, Hey, let's do this and let's just make money. It's another thing to put yet another level of Purpose behind it, right? Making money, there's nothing dishonorable about it. I mean, hey, we all need to make money because, like you said, that Starbucks app, you know, gets hungry, right? So, yeah, I get it. Um, Yeah, I'm there with you. I get it. But to then have even higher purpose, that's where it ignites the passion, I think, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I can totally see it in you guys. And man, I'm so excited about the projects. Like, I'm like blown away. And yes, can I please be part of the poppy train? Because I just, just need, need, are you kidding me? Like what? You can't (laughs) tell (laughs) me about it and not let me. (laughs) Yes, absolutely.
3: Yeah. No, actually we are sending out something uh, very soon. I'm I'm putting together something uh, and an email will go out to um, local DMV designers for that. So, Mm -hmm.
0: so stay tuned. That's coming for sure. Oh, I'm so excited, but I'm, now I'm really dying to see how these projects are going to go on and what they're going to actually blossom and turn into. I think oh yeah there was there was definitely a very peaceful and healthy I think is the word that comes to mind. I would say an environment that felt at your garden. And yes, your plants look healthy and when I found out that you're being the you know practices that you're using I'm like oh my god how hard are you guys working? What you know and but that comes from passion. That comes from wanting to do the right thing. That comes from having a higher purpose, right? So I feel like you guys, I don't know if the name came first and everything else, or I don't know if you chose the name and then decided to just sort of do, you know, live up the name of the garden. I don't know, but it all works. Cliché or not, it all works. Yeah, one of the cool things about um, starting your
3: own business is that you get to decide how you want it to look. I mean, right. we've kind of had moments when, I like, you know, there have been a couple of moments when things have happened in the world that have been really disturbing politically or otherwise, racial injustice, stuff like that. And, you know, we've always sort of like, well, should we put anything on social media? I don't really know. And I'm like, you know, this is our business. We get to decide whether or not we want to uh, say something and how and, and how
1: uh, take a principled stand. Yeah,
3: say. you know, like why we can do whatever we want. Yeah, but, you know, it, and it might not, it might alienate some people, but you know what? That's okay because I was say yeah. The more, the, more, the more you sort of put out in the in the universe what you want, the more those same kinds of people are drawn to you. Absolutely. Um, so you're going to find like-minded and people who are open and, you know, feel similarly and it's okay. If you don't, you could still buy my flowers, even if you don't, mm-hmm. but if you're, if you're inclined to not want to ever be connected to me or to my product, because I put out a, 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 a something on social media about racial injustice, it's okay. I don't mm-hmm. need to buy my flowers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I 100 to agree with you and you know what, this, i'm I'm not trying to make this political or anything like that, but um you know the the black square that I posted on my Instagram has been the most satisfying thing I posted I have to say it it was, and I've got some comments, private comments and questions and things like that, and it's okay mm-hmm. and and I thought about it before, but for me at that moment and now it was important yep it was important yep you know and and that's it, and I think if the the why is good, right. With good intentions. And, you know, I, I think it all comes from stems from the why, you know, mm-hmm. if the why wasn't intended right. positively, essentially, um, you know, I, I know I'm minimizing this right now by saying all of these things, I feel like a little bit, but I think it all stems from the why. And I feel like your why is just so strong that, yeah, yeah I, I, I am excited. I am elated. I am dying to see what you guys are gonna grow into because I just I can only see this as becoming bigger and more fulfilling and just much more important, I feel like, organization or company, if you will. Yeah. For the industry. So I think that's yeah. Thank There's you. There's a yeah I,
2: yeah, I do
3: appreciate that. There's a lot of things in the floral industry that are great. There's a lot of things that can change. Um I agree. And I think that um Tom and I are hoping to be facilitators of some positive changes particularly environmental changes um
1: which both both in design and growing
3: yeah, yeah.
1: design also has its own dirt, dirty secrets you know oh,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> and,
3: and, and you know we, there's just room for growth and change and you know we're here for it and we are excited about it and mm-hmm. and don't want to involve you know it's not about you know i we have designers that we make sure that we say this to them you know like If you're using floral foam, this is not about trying to shame anyone about, you know, that there might be some times that you're going to need to do that. You know, it's just about making incremental changes toward Mm -hmm. more conscientious about the choices that we're all making. And I think if we, you know, it seems like it's not much, but if we're all doing that, it actually can really turn something, you know,
1: it really can make a huge impact. Small small steps. that's That's how things actually change. Very rarely does anything you know shift you know in an epic way Mm -hmm. where it's like we're all making gradual incremental shifts and then all of a sudden you look around you're like wow this is now the norm
2: Right?
1: And you're like okay well we 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 did it but it just didn't seem like i mean and that's the problem with most of the things the planet and and in our society it's just like you sometimes feel like the problem is so big Mm -hmm. how do you tackle it well we all just start doing little things and eventually we get there hopefully for something sooner rather than later <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes
2: climate,
1: you climate and
2: me you,
0: you and me both <laughs> i'm with you you know yeah. I, yes I, I you know i get it i um i think we all are waiting for some serious changes hopefully soon enough um so yeah <laughs>
2: Yes. yes, can we? To, <laughs> more We don't but have to say anything, really. Very, we all but very,
0: know. Very, uh, like, we all know. Come on. Yeah. yeah. You know. I, I. I. think. I. You know. I think when the fabric of society changes, as it is, you know, and not to the positive, to the negative, time for some serious change. You know, yeah. so whether it's an environment or it's uh, um social, whether it's um, racial injustice, whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter what the. Aspect is, you, you know, it's just, yeah. There's some core changes that are, I feel like, kind of necessary, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes. We'll get, we'll get,
2: we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Hopefully, Perfect.
0: hopefully. But yeah. Well, guys, I this is fantastic. I really enjoyed talking to you. Well, I enjoyed visiting the farm, and um I'm planning on maybe reaching out and making another visit because I kind of really missed it. I have to say. Yeah. So for for people who, you know, of course I have your bio. We've talked you know, talked about it. And it'll be in the show notes. But for the listeners, where they can find you.
1: So you can find us on our website, which mm-hmm. is gratefulgardeners.co. Gratefulgardeners.com was taken. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and on our Instagram, which is at grateful underscore gardeners. Um and basically you can Find us on, I think we're on Google's Maps now and Apple Maps. So you can actually just search for us and you can find the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, maybe don't just pop in on us, but, uh, <laughs> but you reach out and ask about visiting. And we love, like you said, just like you guys did, we'd love to have visitors and we love to plan that. We're very open to it, which is something unique to us, but yeah.
3: Um, we also are on Facebook, but I'm not nearly as active on Facebook. You can um, find us on there. You can, you can find reach, us there. You can message us. The best way to actually to reach out to us is probably through the website or on Instagram, yeah. just direct message. I mean, Instagram's my, our 19 year old daughter sort of manages a lot of our Instagram, <laughs> but, but we still have access and we, we, we definitely are on it a lot. And you know, yeah, direct DM on Instagram, it, it makes its way pretty quickly to us. Yeah.
2: Fantastic. Yeah. So, All right.
0: yeah. Well, thanks thank again. You so so thank you having us. Oh, thank you. And telling me to get. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. So bye-bye. Bye. All right, guys. Well, that was it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I hope it encouraged and in- Inspired you to go and check out their Instagram and their website and if you're a local florist be sure to work with them They are absolutely wonderful And as I mentioned in the beginning their poppy project actually is in full swing right now So be sure to DM them from directly from their Instagram or just go into the show notes and you can lend into all of these links from there you know links to their social media and their websites and so on again if you're a local farmer local to maryland washington dc area you may want to go and check this out and maybe jump into this poppy project i am so excited about this i can hardly wait all right talk to you later well it's a wrap thank you everyone for listening for tuning in to viva la flora live podcast we'll see you next week